0: You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates your selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. your own Clone-A-Willie or Clone-A-Pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willie or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clone-A-Willie or Clone-A-Pussy kit right now, head over to cloneawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, everybody. Just before we get things started, your disabled daddy wants to let you know that if you want to uh, get some Disability After Dark merch and actually get comfy cozy and crippled you can do that now by going to the link in the show notes where you can buy our merch and it's beautiful merch that says shining a bright light on disability stories in our podcast colors purple so please if you're able go pick up a shirt a tank top a sweater a pillow if you want to support the show that way or you can also do what some awesome other people have done which is to pledge to our Patreon. And right now I'm going to let you know who pledged to our Patreon this week. So let me do that right now. Today I want to give a weird, awkward shout-out to my friend, Kian Najmeki who pledged $5 a month to keep the show going. Thank you so much for your pledge, Kian. And my pun to you is... Can I tell you how awesome you are that you pledged to me. So for your pledge, you get the show one day early, and this weird, awkward shout out for me, right here. So, if you want to pledge like Kian did, you can go to patreon.com disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge $1 a month, or $5 a month, or more, or a yearly amount if that works for your budget, because we all know money is tight, And you can do that at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. If you can't pledge financially, please, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the places where you get your podcast, because it really does help people hear about the show, and this kind of content where we talk freely about disability stories needs to be supported. So if you're able to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. But now, for real, on to the show. The episode today is really, really jam-packed. That's really all I can say about it. There's so much going on in this episode that I, it's a real, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's a juicy, full, big, long, hard, sexy episode, and I'm excited to share it with you. Today on the episode, I sit down and talk to my new friend, Kyle Romano, who is a quad amputee, and we talk about his experience contracting bacterial meningitis as a baby, his experience with depersonalization as an undiagnosed disability he lives with, we talk about working out, we talk about sex and intimacy and cuddling, we talk about um, the way he feels about his body as a disabled man, we talk about his business, the Disablest Network that he created in part as a result of this podcast and in part to bridge the gap between non-disabled and disabled people. Oh, there's so much that we talk about here, and this episode is a good, fun, chunky hour and a half of chatting that I'm so excited for you to hear. Um, I really like... I liked sitting down with him back in April when we recorded this and just talking so candidly about disability, talking about his experience. I love giving disabled people that we don't normally hear from, a chance to tell their story. And that's really what this episode was today. It was two disabled people having a chat. Kyle and I realized that we're super similar and we're now best friends, as you'll hear in the episode. Um, But I really, really loved doing this and I hope you love the episode too. So, without further ado, here's my episode with the founder of the Disabledist Network, my new friend, Kyle Romano right here on disability after dark Kyle Romano hello
1: how's it going man thanks for having me
0: hey so nice to have you on disability after dark and i'm really excited cuz you and i have literally been planning this i looked at, i looked at my cat my emails with you yesterday we've been planning this since october so the fact <laughs> that it's happening right now makes me super happy and i said this in the last three times i recorded and I've been recording a bunch, like every few days. But I said this in my last one, and I'll say it again: I cancel a lot of shit because I have disabilities. So I really appreciate that you are so flexible, and thank you so much. And I'm so happy you're here.
1: Yeah, we're you know we're both crippled content creators, so uh, I get it.
0: Stealing my vibe. I see. I see what it, I see. I, I see what it is. I see what's happening. That's great. Um, so you sent me the longest email of anyone that wants to be on the show which i love sounds like me me, you send me like i swear to god at least it was like a four-page email i was like wow he has a lot to say which i appreciate because it gave me a lot to like talk about but for anyone who who's listening who's like who is this caramano guy what does he do what's his deal can you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: yeah, and if I ever get too long-winded, just be like Kyle, shut the fuck up. Like this is a long enough. Uh, <laughs> this is a long enough response. Shut up. This is my show, not yours. Uh, but anyways, yeah, my name is Kyle Romano. Um, I am 33 years old. Went through this entire pandemic year thinking I was 32. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Oh wow. corn Quarantine vibes. Um, uh, I contracted bacterial meningitis when I was around the age of one. Um, You guys can't see because this is an audio podcast, uh, but I am amputated really, really short. Uh, To make, try to make a really long story short, uh, my parents noticed that I was really lethargic in my crib one day and uh, went and went to turn me over. And my mom noticed uh, like a dark kind of like bruise on the palm of my hand, which also sounds weird for me to say palm of my hand because I never remember having hands. But then went and uh, you know uh, flipped me over and looked at my back and my entire back was just like black, black and blue.
0: Um, They're like, "Whoa,
1: there's something wrong here." And so they called my pediatrician, um, sent me to you know the emergency room. Um, I flatlined in the elevator. My pediatrician, who uh, this is not a typical thing for pediatricians, but intubated me and resuscitated me in the elevator by himself um so if it wasn't wow for him, that's
0: would, some er vibes like wow yeah.
1: yeah if it wasn't for him i would actually be dead and i joke around and tell people too like oh you know i've died once because i i actually have and i might have died more than once but that's the only time that yeah, i can too. think of yeah that's oh that's you know that's why we get along so well but um yeah
0: we've we've been you know we've been almost passing through the places there yeah yeah i, I get it
1: yeah Um, And so, you know, uh, went, uh, was medevaced to um, the Shriners burn unit in Cincinnati. Um, My parents got there super young. I was their first child and uh, doctors came out there like, hey, you know, surgery goes long. That means we're able to save more of his limbs. Um, If it's shorter, then we weren't able to save as much because uh, uh, I don't know if, Anybody knows how like meningitis works, but um, you know, for me at least it started at like the tips of my fingers and toes and stuff. And uh, what happens is your body shuts off blood flow to your vital organs starting outward in, um, or shuts off blood flow from your body from the farthest outreaches inward to continue having blood flow to your vital organs. And so, uh, yeah, they took me back and I was done and in recovery, I think in like 45 minutes or something like that. Um, so I'm really short, uh, I'm not far past the shoulder and, uh, then my, you know, legs aren't really that far down, um, from my hips.
0: you did say before we hit record, you did say that you have T Rex arms.
1: Yeah, and... I tell people all the time, like the T Rex. So I've always loved dinosaurs. The T Rex is my spirit animal, even though it's <laughs> obviously extinct. I tell people all the time that I'm a T Rex, and I got to get that worked into some kind of like Kyle logo for for my company. Like
0: I, I, would I want a T Rex. A hundred million dollars support that. Like, can it be a can it be a logo of like a wheel of a T Rex in a wheelchair with with little. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
1: I've already been talking to like one of my best friends, and uh, the producer is also a professional artist. And I was like, "Yo, we need to like draw this out." And I want a T Rex in a chair, um, and have like the tail come, the tail coming out like the back of the chair, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, anyways, yep. uh, yeah. So that's my that's my story. Grew up in, uh, you know, started in special ed. Um, didn't quote-unquote belong in special ed um so uh, you know I mainstreamed into regular ed classes and I hate calling them that but um uh yeah I didn't grow up with other disabled people really I was always the only disabled person in a classroom full of able-bodied kids um didn't realize until way later that um caused me to have a lot of internalized ableism and uh I wanted to meet more disabled people to selfishly help myself out of that because I do a lot of, um, you know, like work, I work at a company that uh, is a provider of like complex wheelchairs and stuff like that. So I have a lot of dealings with disabled people. I'm super cool, you know, with them and I love talking with them and getting to learn all these experiences and everything, but I'm not super cool about like myself. Um, I think that I'm like a very unattractive dude and I have a lot of internalized ableism like related Untrue. to that. I, I, I very Untrue. much appreciate that. Um, I like
0: dudes so I can tell you that I'm true.
1: <laughs> thank you. I, that's, I'm very flattered. I very much appreciate that. Yeah, because I, I have like a, I don't know, I have some weird kind of, well, we can get into like the disability thing. So in, you know, uh, moving this along, I know that one of the questions and stuff was, you know, like, what, what disabilities do I have? So, obviously, I'm a quad amputee. Um, a lot of people with meningitis end up having autoimmune problems. And uh, because of that, like, um, kidney failure and all that kind of stuff, dodged the uh, giant crippling bullet in that regard. Um, but I do have uh, short-term memory issues, kind of. Uh, so it's called like bacterial meningitis because the bacteria actually attacks the meninges of the brain. Um, and so I don't know, you know, I'm not a, like, you know, a neurologist or anything like that, but, um,
0: No, it's really? In- wow. I thought you were going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, um, apparently it's had some kind of impact on like my short-term memory because my short-term memory is fucking terrible. Um, but you know, I have, uh, I wanted to use the opportunity of like the show too, to, to, kind of come out uh, about a disability that I feel like I've always had but has been undiagnosed and uh, I believe that it's depersonalization Um, and so I didn't even know that this was a thing until I started listening to um, an artist uh, named uh, by the name of Dodie she's absolutely fantastic but she has depersonalization derealization and was talking about it and was explaining about you know like feeling kind of like she's you know lives outside of herself and all that stuff and uh i remember the earliest recollection i have of like a depersonalization uh memory is uh my dad i remember was shaving and i was on the um bathroom counter with him playing with like toys or something and uh, he had michael jackson on in the background because i've always been like a huge fan of michael jackson also met him thanks make a wish um
0: Wow, yeah, no. that's cool. Wait a minute. <laughs> Why was that not in the question? Wow. <laughs> Hold on. Hang on. Let's back up for one second. Yes, I realized that. Then, for anyone listening, we both know Michael Jackson went, did some things. There was accused of things that weren't super great. I know, but it was my dream as an '80s child to meet <laughs> to meet Michael Jackson. Actually, ironically, my dad is a musician, and he used to joke with us all the time. He's a a black musician. He used to joke with us all the time today. I met Michael Jackson. So the fact that I'm talking to somebody who actually, hold on, that (laughs) (laughs) leaves Wow. That's really cool.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I don't necessarily, whatever. I'm I'm not intimately familiar with like his case and all of that kind of stuff, but you know, I met the dude rather briefly or whatever. Um, He came up to me, met my parents, shook my dad's hand. The dude was huge, apparently. Um, He held me, you know, make whatever jokes you want about that, whatever. But um, he seemed like he was a nice guy and he did this stuff on the reg. And I feel genuinely wanted to help um, a lot of children because he was robbed of a childhood. And I feel like he was largely misunderstood because when he got older and had the means, um, those are still the things that he enjoyed doing, right? He still, like, still enjoyed playing video games, and, and which is something that, like, I relate to, because, like, as you, you can tell, because you can see, like, I collect pop vinyl figures, I have a Pokemon poster in my room, like, I'm a super I giant also, nerd. I,
0: I also see, ironically, you have a surfboard above your bed, which... Yeah,
1: I was big into, like, uh, thought that surfing was, like, super cool, I thought that, like, super surfer girls were, like, super hot when I was in middle school, So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my room in like a surfing theme. And here I am at 33. And because I don't have uh, arms and legs, it's not like I can like remodel my room. So all the shit has (laughs) just like stayed.
0: (laughs) Because I wondered, I was like, hmm, wait a minute. I have so many questions because I saw it when we, we turned on the camera and I was like, I see a surfboard there. Probably just there for the aesthetic, but I don't know yeah no it's completely
1: ironic look i like these these fucking t-rex arms i'm not getting up on a surfboard anytime soon that shit scares the (laughs) fuck out of me so like no thanks um even though my whole family is like a giant like water family and dives and all that stuff but anyways i digress um so i feel like i have always had this depersonalization i was on the counter my dad was shaving and i just all of a sudden had this like weird feeling. And I told him, I was like, I don't feel real anymore. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, I don't know how to describe it. I just don't feel real. And mind you, this is like a seven-year-old telling like they're like telling my father this. Um, and so I had, uh, you know, since then um, I've kind of like thought about it more. And anytime that I'm in a situation that has a lot of anxiety, I feel like, um, for instance, my, my vision uh, is almost like I'm looking at a camera and it zooms out. um, And I kind of have an almost like out of body experience. And a lot of times people like look at me because I'll just get a blank stare on my face. Um, And it's because I'm like depersonalizing at that moment. Um, And it actually takes a lot of uh, energy uh, to stay um, present at all times. And uh, one thing that I really wanted to get into that I talked to you about was cuddling. And uh that has actually really helped me to stay present in my body a lot. Um, and so, anyways, depersonalization, um, haven't talked about that openly uh in public yet. So this is, you know, I wanted to use this opportunity to do that. Um, and uh I think that as a result, a lot of people who have depersonalization also have anxiety and um I feel like I have general anxiety disorder, something like that, and um depression. I'm me always. Too. Hey, what up?
0: Hey. Yeah, hey.
1: Like, God, we have, we have too many hey. things in common, man. It's starting to freak me out. I mean, but um, basically, but...
0: the same person, minus the dick sucking. I mean, yeah,
1: that's, hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> those are my, my, what I think are my pantheon of disabilities. Again, I don't, I don't necessarily encourage people to, like, you know, be like, oh, I have this undiagnosed thing because, you know, uh, some disabled people, like, freak out about that and be like, ah, oh, you can't, whatever. I fought for my diagnosis. And uh, I don't really have any intentions of getting diagnosed um, because I have lived this long with it, and um, I don't necessarily want um, like med- uh like medicine intervention. Um, if that yeah,
0: makes to sense. Ha- have it be medically yeah, to be yeah. Med- medically medically. Um,
1: and, and let me let me like set something straight. I absolutely need therapy. Like like I know that that's the thing. <laughs> um. So and I and I really think that you know ev- everybody should go get therapy because it's like absolutely fucking amazing. And I had therapy for a long time when I was little because, you know, they were like, Oh, this little half boy missing half of his body. Like he's got to be fucked up. Let's put him in therapy. Um, and oh. like, good call. Like, l- l- let me just say like, good call on your part. Um, I should not have been like, nah, this ain't for me anymore. Um, and I should have kept at it because now a lot of, you know, like I said, internalized ableism, and anxiety and depression and like depersonalization, like getting worse as I've gotten older. I think that that honestly probably is because I haven't uh, continued a- along my path of uh, like therapeutic journey. Um, so I need to get back into that. But anyways, that's my life as a nutshell. I'm also a gamer. Uh, I played Super Smash Bros. competitively for a little while. I'm technically and officially that's on cool. a team. Yeah, I'm I'm on a team that um. Actually donates uh their proceeds to uh giving video games to kids that are uh hospitalized. Um
0: that's great. uh,
1: Yeah, they're super awesome people. So I was like, hey, can I be a part of your team? I I also I I want a jersey like with my name on the back of it because like we're I'm disabled and I'm not like can't just go and jump on a sports team. Haven't had that experience (laughs) since like Challenger League Baseball when I was like five and so like yeah i got i got a, a thing my gamer tag is limitless but spelled l-i-m-b-i-t-l-e-s-s just because
0: amazing like,
1: yeah my friend came up with that uh and i was like yeah that's uh that's funny i like that that's cool so it's mm-hmm. on the back of my gaming jersey but anyways ask me more questions um, i'll sit here and talk forever so
0: yeah i i gathered that i was like wow yes, has a lot to say <laughs> but that's great um I had, there's, I wanted to ask you something you've said, no, I forget, but I'll I'll come back to it. Oh yeah. Cuddling. So you also mentioned that you mentioned to me off the air and I wasn't going to go there until way later, but since you're going to open the door, let's walk through. So you said that you mentioned to me, you were, you're, you're, you, you you have not lost your virginity yet. How, how do you, how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, Fucking terrible. <laughs> not, not because of um, not because of societal pressure or anything like that, but just because I'm a 30 year old Cisgen hetero male and I have you know sexual desires and to not have any of those or physical desires and to not have any of those needs met, is extremely frustrating i know from listening to your podcast you've been talking about the frustration that you felt not having access like to you know um the the people that you see um on a regular basis uh and i dude i completely get that um and uh, so yeah i uh i have a really good friend um i'm not gonna say her her, her name or anything she said that i could but i'm not going to anyways Um, but yeah, I have, I have a friend who, um, you know, we're really close and have a lot of stuff in common and, um, we, uh, kind of recently kind of not, um, you know, have, uh, changed the dynamic of our friendship, our relationship a little bit. And so we have like a physical relationship now and not, uh, I've learned that being physically intimate with somebody does not, uh, imply or infer that you are sexually active with that person. And in this case, that, that is the, uh, that's, um, the nature of our friendship. Um, and I've never had a physically intimate uh, relationship with anybody before and it's opened up like a giant floodgate, if I'm going to be honest, um, about, you know, ableist thoughts. She also has, um, some invisible disabilities, uh, has chronic pain, um, depression, uh, a couple of other things. And so we we vibe really well uh, in that regard. Um, we sit there and like the first, the first time that we cuddled, um, you know, before we did, we sat there and we talked and she was like, no, you know, if, if I ever feel uncomfortable because I voiced, you know, let me know I've never done this before. If I'm doing something that, you know, makes you feel like you're unsafe or whatever that's not my you know intention at all i want like both of, of us to feel like this is a safe space let me know and she she was like you know i trust me I, I will definitely let you know i'm not worried about it though um and so i was like yeah, cool so we were like you know cuddling and stuff and uh i just like was, like, word vomiting, and then, like, realized that I was almost, like, borderline in tears, like, talking about how, like, I feel like I'm unattractive, and, like, a lot of times I feel like I'm not, you know, like, worthy of that, like, physical affection, and um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful um, for her to, because, you know, she is uh, not, um, she's more, uh, she's gender fluid, but, you know, to be a biological woman and enter that space into or, you know, into that space with um, a male, um, you know, historically can lead to like, you know, violence or feeling unsafe or that kind of thing. So I'm I'm very keenly aware of that. Um, And so she has made me feel so safe in that space. And uh, like I mentioned before about depersonalization, it has helped me get into an anchor in my body a lot more. Um, It's also led me to realize that I have a lot of, like I said a couple of times already, a lot of internalized ableism about not feeling attractive and about not feeling, um, you know, uh, like I'm worthy of having any kind of like intimate relationship with anybody. Um, And then yeah. So we were going and, and like I said, you know, me, I want to when I get to the point where I'm in a, re- in, in a relationship, I want to have a general idea of what um, sens- bodily sensations I enjoy, but also have a little bit of a better understanding about what feels good for other people. And with me not yeah. having obviously an able-bodied body, me interacting with another body is going to be atypical right um and so you know we go through things and um we uh i remember i laughed because um she was uh we were spooning and she was i'm in front i don't know what if that's the little spoon i think um, I
0: think, yeah, you're the little spoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, you know, we're, we're cuddling and she like brought her knees up and I don't know if you feel this way when you're out of your chair, but um, if I don't have something like touching my butt or touching my legs, um, it, it can feel um, like uh, just like not comfortable, I guess, to not have that pressure um i don't know why i haven't heard of another disabled person mention that it might just be a kyle weird thing which i'm totally yeah, fine yeah
0: i think it's a you thing because i when i get out of the chair i like the i like the opposite sensation of like the lack of pressure i was like oh that feels nice i can totally relax now
1: yeah and i i and that i can totally get but most of the time that it just i also like tight spaces though um so like i i was joking with her we were like we laid down and i was like i want you to wrap me up like a burrito and like we both laughed about that and i and uh i was like don't worry about like squeezing me too hard like that's not even a thing for me just like do it like whatever you want to do um
0: well i mean totally so to you I, I like i also enjoy i enjoyed that pressure like i enjoy yeah. somebody hugging me really hard or like i've said it a bunch on the show like i like when a, when a dude will choke me out a little bit with because yeah. i like the pressure so i understand that desire for pressure and i think because our disabled bodies are so touch-starved, a lot of the time that pressure feels like, "Whoa, this sensation feels super good. I like this." Yeah,
1: yeah, and so uh, I completely get that. Uh, I'm not on the, on the uh, on the choking vibe, but I could definitely understand, uh, you know, where you're coming from with that. But so she, um, you know, she brought her her knees up, and uh, obviously, like her her legs touched like the bottom of my legs. And I like involuntarily like moaned and she was like, Oh, do you like that? And I said, yeah, that's actually feels like really comfortable for me. And so then we like navigated that space and she like pulled her legs up. And, um, you know, then I felt more like I was, I don't know, like nestled into like a little area and like I felt the
0: burrito that you've always that, dreamed you were
1: this. I just want to be a human burrito. That's what I, uh, I've learned through all of this, uh, journey through physicality for me. Um, so yeah, I, you know, like I said, um, I, I'm definitely touch starved, um, and I'm just really appreciative of her, you know, taking, taking that chance, um, with me and navigating that space. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been something that has been new in my life that I, uh, greatly look forward to every single time. I actually, and I told her this, um, was looking into professional cuddlers because that's a thing. Um, and I was legitimately gonna, gonna pay somebody um, to come to my house and cuddle with me. Um, but then I also, like, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes in with that too, because, um, you know, I'm disabled and I'm here and I'm in my house by myself because I don't, I live with my parents and uh, I don't want anybody necessarily like be home when I'm in that space. Um, of course. because I, I just don't want questions and stuff being asked um and uh you know that necessitates me planning with like a friend to come here because i don't know who that person is um yeah this has also led me to realize why i think that i've had such a difficult time uh trying to ask women out on dates and things like that because Uh, like I said I have anxiety so I worry about a lot of shit like even way before it's a problem like ever and so like I've only been on a couple of dates but like the first date that I have I already am like okay well you know if we get to a point where we're like going to be physically intimate like you know I don't know this girl I get down like on the bed and like if she like moves my chair like that's it nobody's ever going to find me again Um, and so like these are things that are like running through my head and so I told my, like my cuddle partner this. And um, I told her that that was another reason why I was thankful um, for our relationship is because with her, I al- I already am going into this feeling safe knowing her. And um, I trust her, you know, when she has to move my wheelchair out of the way and stuff or whatever, I, I already feel like I'm in a safe space and all of that. So um, even though, like I said, I'm, you know, Uh, cisgen straight dude um, there are a lot of things that you know being a disabled man I feel like there is some similarities between um, the way that I experience have have to like relegate that physical um, intimacy sphere Um, similar to um, and obviously like I said not nearly the same thing but similar to the way that Um, women feel when they don't feel safe, like when they feel like they're not in a safe space. Um, And so that's certainly something that I uh, can relate to in in regard to that. And actually has um, led me to like, be worried about dating so much that I don't even really like want to date. Like, and that makes me feel really upset too because like I want to be in a relationship with somebody um, but I don't want to uh, have to worry about that potentiality of violence. Yeah,
0: the worry can be exhausting and the fear can be exhausting and the ableism we encounter on dates can be exhausting. That's why I, you know, started hiring sex workers and working predominantly with one worker that I really got to know and really got to trust and really spend time with and taught him what disability was and what it is and it but i also want to want to say to you like there will be others there will so like don't feel like you and this color partner you have which is great and i like, keep doing it as long as it's happening but don't feel don't feel worried that it's that you won't find someone else because you will it might take time and as we know being disabled um things generally take longer for us because the world is a trash fire but eventually like (laughs) you won't meet somebody who who says fuck it I think you're an awesome dude because you're an awesome dude and yes your disability is important and yes I'm looking at it and yes I know it's there but that doesn't mean I don't want to try like so so I'm saying enjoy this moment for what it is with this person obviously do it do it as long as it happens for but know that there will be others and that's okay
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And then one last thing that I'll say about that too, is I actually asked her, um, I was like, Hey, you know, I have this inclination not to like toot my own crippled horn, but I was like, you know, I'm missing half my body. um, So I feel like that gives me a one-up in the cuddle department. Am I, do you feel like I'm easier to cuddle because you don't have to worry about all these dangly bits yeah appendages getting in the way and she was like you dude you are so easy to cuddle and it makes it so much easier and yes it it is amazing and so that like uh that's something I feel like I have going for me and for somebody who has you know like I said a lot of internalized ableism and all that stuff I'll you know any little pat on the back that I can give myself which I never do by the way um I'll i'll take and also from listening to your show um speaking of internalized ableism i actually picked up the book um sitting pretty and uh oh good
0: i haven't read it yet i have not read the book yet so let me
1: tell you i cried at page 10 and i cried again at page 14 um because it i i related to it so hard um it was absolutely incredible. So I think that you and every other disabled person absolutely has to go and read that book. I think that non-disabled people um, are also uh, have a very, should have a very strong impetus of reading that book too, because it explains a lot about uh, the practicalities of disability and like the realities of disability that uh, able-bodied people don't ever seem to understand. Um, so go yeah. by Sitting Pretty, um, Rebecca is, fantastic and she is now my hero and I didn't even know about her before uh listening to the podcast that you were on when you brought the book up so I heavily thank you for that
0: don't remember when I said it don't even remember what show it was Uh, but I'm glad I did
1: yeah no it was the show where you were uh I can't ever remember the actor's name but you uh about special the show special
0: oh Ryan O'Connor yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah that show Speak also near. he's fucking amazing too by the way so
0: just... well we're friends we're on we're on it we're on a text chain together he he's oh he's a good dude he's a good yeah, dude he
1: seems super awesome
0: he's a real sweetheart um really nice guy but i've heard so much about that book and i've heard so much about rebecca and i will definitely pick it up and anybody listening who's disabled or wants to learn about disability just buy all the disability books we need you to read them so you can go to see
1: I have a stack, dude. I have a stack of like 15 disability books. The thing, I'm not going to jump on this uh, this soapbox right now, but uh, the thing that pisses me off about a lot of disability books, though, is that they're fucking academic books, dude. And I get that. Like, I have a master's, so I can read that shit and understand it. But like, we're yeah. talking about disabled people, right? Like, we are um, the most impoverished demographic in the world, no matter what you look at. Like, there are disabled people At the bottom of every fucking minority. That's just the way that the world has worked. And, uh, you know, because of that, that means that disabled people have less access to higher education. And here are all these people who are like, oh, and again, it's super important work that's being done, but like, write it so that disabled people can fucking understand it, for God's sakes. Like, that's why I like Rebecca's book because she, like, is a teacher and all that stuff. So I think that she has it really dialed in about how to explain things to people in a way that's, like, really digestible um but most people aren't and so like I bought like a sex and disability book and of course when it came in the mail it just says like lingerie on the cover and my mom or my dad opened it and he's like what's this and I was like you don't need to worry about that but it's okay um but you know <laughs> flipping through it though you know it's it's all academic language and if you're not used to reading that kind of stuff it's very difficult And like disabled people already feel ostracized so like Stop talking about disability in an academic light. I do that too, and I'm trying to make myself stop. Um,
0: yeah, was it the like Robert a, McCrew and an Molo book?
1: I have no idea, but I think that it's just called Sex and Disability.
0: Yeah, I know the one. That is the one. Okay, I yeah. have it too. I, I
1: haven't. I haven't cracked it yet, but um, uh, and I don't know. It could not be super academic, but I'm just saying.
0: Oh no, you know, it's it's a thing. It's a thick boy full of academia yeah yeah
1: yeah it's so like got like guys come on like the the disability rights movement is still a thing it's going on and i understand the whole thing about like academia but like come on disabled people we need to we need to rip that out of academia because i think that for a lot it's uh it's stifling the disability rights movement if it's couched in academia we need to get real disabled people involved in that conversation and uh, stop fucking ostracizing each other. It makes me sick.
0: It's <laughs> so funny that you said that because I say it all the time that I think disability studies needs to be, I mean, obviously it's nice that we have these courses, but I think the trouble with disability studies, I'll just say it all right. The trouble with disability studies in my view and in academia, because I studied, I, I, I created a course in my master's about disability. My whole last I did too. Two, two years of my master's was me doing self-study because you know, there was no courses for it. Yep. Uh, but I remember reading all this stuff and thinking and writing my thesis and thinking none of this is going to get into the eyes <laughs> and hearts of actual disabled people that I want to talk to. None of this is going to get to yep. my community and none of this is going to get to the average person who is not disabled who wants to learn but doesn't have access to my thesis like it's not gonna so I felt really when I finished my master's I thought okay I want to take this knowledge um, further out and do something with it that is more in line with pop culture than academia because at least if I brand myself as a pop culture figure then people can can't access what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, so my larger point was, yeah, disability studies needs to just get out of their theory and get out of their bubble and be more, just more accessible. Yeah. Um, um, but I want, I want to jump back into the academia in a second. But first, one of the things you said in your questionnaire that I love um, that I was well, I was really excited by because I love hearing when people who are disabled have stories but when they're kids because we never hear about disabled kids and their journey being disabled kids and you let me know that when you were three you had over 60 surgeries
1: yeah so by uh, by the time that I was so I contracted bacterial bacterial meningitis when I was one right and so from the span of probably one to like three or five or something like that, um, I think that I had, I think that I had 50 something surgeries, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's a super weird space too for a kid to, a kid to navigate. Um, I tell people all the time though that I'm actually really happy that I contracted uh, as early as I did as violent as it was and obviously traumatic for my parents. Cause I, I don't fucking remember what happened, obviously, but, um,
0: Thankfully. Yeah. Thanks,
1: yeah. Thankfully. Cause I have a friend who contracted in college and he remembers all of it like vividly, but, um, I digress. That's brutal. Uh, you know, I never had to relearn how to do anything. Um, I just, learned things the way that everybody else did you know the other thing too that i forgot to mention also is that um uh, statistics mean absolutely fucking nothing to me because the doctors told my parents that i had less than a one percent chance to live and here i fucking am world so that's a thing
0: oh yeah i was Um, gonna die when the day that i was born uh, the rabbi came into our hospital room and read me my last rites and i was pretty much yep. set to go like, i was ready to go and then i was like fuck you world of here like i'm not going here so i'm so here
1: yeah that's i my the um my family's catholic and the the um monsignor of our of our church came and read me my last rites too so hey last rites vibes
0: i mean we're last rights friends. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, you know, it's, that's a hard thing to like, when you think about that, cause we don't remember, obviously we were infants, but like, when you think about the fact that somebody spoke to the maker and said like, okay, this soul has to go now. And then we were like, fuck you. Like it proves <laughs> that it proves that nobody knows. Nobody really knows and nobody can know. And the numbers i think make us feel better to be like there's a there's a fact in numbers but we're proof that numbers can be wrong really wrong
1: yeah yeah it's it's probability and even if there's a little bit of a chance like it's still a chance um and i'm not saying that in like an ableist way where i mean like oh yeah you know go just try even though there's a little bit like i'm not saying that i'm just saying that like it's a probability for a fucking reason. Like, even if there's a point one percent chance that, like, I would have lived, like, obviously that's the reality that my body chose. So yeah, and they wanted why... to,
0: the you know the numbers are there to, to, to remind the doctors and the parents and everybody there that's taking care of you that like, you might have to prepare yourself for this child's death. Yeah, like, yeah. and I get that part, but also like, I think in our medical community the, the slippancy with 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 which doctors use numbers sometimes to dismiss our pain or our experiences as disabled people can be really damaging so I, in a way i'm like yeah numbers are crap cuz so many of us with disabilities have not listened to the numbers <clears throat> and have not listened to well not that we didn't listen but we didn't we didn't we didn't worry about the numbers. We just lived our lives and we just, you know, we lived happy. And I think the medical community forgets that sometimes. Yeah. And so, but I want to jump back into the surgery thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you're an adult, knowing that you had over 50 surgeries by the time you were three, like, does that, does that play a role in how you see your body and how you see yourself as a disabled person?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so for me, let's just say one thing that I was, so I was grappling with my weight for a little while, right? Um, I've lost in the last year, I think I've lost around 60 pounds, something like that. Um, Good for you. Cool. But thank you very much. Um, But I also know that, that I was able to lose that much weight because I do have privilege um, that a lot of disabled people don't. Where I am uh, very mobile, I transfer constantly in and out of my chair all day, every I day. I hate
0: you. I yeah, hate
1: I know. You. I hate me too. That's I hate okay. you
0: so much. It's so <laughs> not fair. Yeah. I want to transfer.
1: Yeah. Um. So I. So like I bring that up because you know a lot of people. You know, first of all, first and foremost, let's just let me just point out that um, when you lose weight, first of all, people throw people throw big shade. Okay. first of all. Second of all, they uh, try to make it seem like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's super awesome. But like, you know, you did it so I can do it, too. Like, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, like they downplay how difficult it is. Um, And it's been like a year and a half of me uh, counting calories and working out on the reg. Um, and it's not something which that I'm just sure is a overnight.
0: mental, it's a mental mind fuck to like count calories into, and and like how the fuck do you do that during a pandemic too? When everyone's oh. like, Oh, I'm just gonna stay home and Dude, eat, like that's I'm telling wanna... you,
1: Andrew, I'm telling you, like everybody will come at me and be like, Oh, it's the pandemic, so like I put on my pandemic whatever 10 or 40 or whatever, pandemic and
0: pounds I'm, or whatever it is, yeah, yeah.
1: Pand- and I'm like, Motherfucker, I like I'm disabled. <laughs> And I lost 60 pounds during the pandemic like so like you got like at that point uh, I just I also am like very uh like very very honest like to a fault where it like fucks me over a lot of time um but like you know some people will tell me that and I'm not really super sympathetic about that because I've had like an opposite uh experience but um, those are also the same people who make it seem like me losing my weight wasn't difficult to do. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So there'll be the people who be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's uh, good for you. I didn't realize that you were even like losing weight. And then here you are. And I'm like, how did you do it? And I was like, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It's, it's actually changing the way that you live your life foundationally, which is super yeah. difficult to do like my parents bring home fast food all the time bring home giant danishes from Costco like do you think that my fat ass doesn't want to eat that stuff of course I do first of all
0: those danishes are great I don't care dude they are out of this world I respect everybody's weight journey but oh my god those danishes I mean I am not a very strong willed person and if somebody (laughs) waved at like face I'd be like sure Dude,
1: they are in there the size of your head too. That's the other problem, is that they're so good and they're also the size the of my fucking face.
0: And the croissants from Costco, those that's a dangerous game. If you wanna get somebody yeah. to love you, just bring them one of those three days. You're like, all right, sure. But no. I think that you know everybody's late journey is their own. And I think that none of us can cause I'm 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 a I'll be I'll be real frank. I put on the pounds, too, this pandemic, for sure. Because chips are great, cookies taste good, and sometimes I'm sad because nobody can suck my dick until Dude, this pandemic is over. So, <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes cookies feel real nice. But, you know, I I, I have a question as a disabled person mm-hmm. um, who can't exercise because of the inaccessibility of mm-hmm. just everything. <laughs> yeah. But especially at the death gym, and I've done episodes about this, how the gym is like super fucking inaccessible to wheelchair like users. Yeah. How do you navigate that? How do you, how, how do you lose the weight? when? So
1: I have, I have a life hack in the fact that my brother is just about to, um, uh, graduate and then take his boards to be a physical therapist. So, oh, nice. um, I was like, yo, Kent, um, because I've had a couple of friends who have told me uh, like, hey, Kyle, you know, you might want to think about losing some weight. And then I have a friend who actually works with me on the Disabled Network, one of my best friends. Um, he has Asperger's and he was like, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Kyle, you're fucking fat. You need to do something about it. <laughs> so I was like, fair point. And that's what got me to work out actually was that. Um, and so I t- I went to, my brother's name is Kent. And so I went to Kent and I was like, hey, this is your thing you know, what, what can I do? And so he made therapize a recommend. me, bro. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah, therapize me. And so actually this is, uh, I listen to your podcast when I work out. Um, oh, that's
0: awesome. I'm glad to know that my weird voice is helping you shed the dust.
1: <laughs> dude, I'm, t- I'm telling you like this, your podcast is like the podcast that I listen to when I work out. Um, and so I work out, I, I didn't this week, I didn't work out at all because I just felt like, and uh Those cookies
0: taste good i understand well
1: i didn't i well okay i did eat an almond danish from costco right. I, so, I will say so, that
0: that's <laughs> fair that's yeah. fair
1: um so uh, but i don't cheat a lot on my diet so you know that's a thing oh i'm the but, worst
0: i am um, I'm, I'm the worst i'm the guy that's like oh i just <laughs> want to have one cookie but then
1: But this whole box is here. What is it going to do? I can't just leave Uh, it there.
0: I can't leave it. It tastes so (laughs) good. I mean, of course, my as you know, and the reason why I canceled 95 times on you was because I'd eat the cookie and then my body would be like, you're going to suffer now for the next (laughs) X amount of hours. Well, and I
1: get that too, because I'm on that IBS vibe too. So look, if anybody fucking gets that, it's totally me. I had to get scoped when I was in high school because I had a bleeding ulcer and uh, they didn't know what was going on with me turns out when you put copious amounts of tabasco sauce on everything when you're already predisposed to having ibs it's probably not a good thing but um anyway back so to maybe my... that's why
0: maybe that's why god didn't give you arms because he was like i don't want kyle to put tabasco sauce on everything <laughs> yeah
1: yeah maybe maybe that's why uh, god used um you know catholicism and religion to sequester disabled people in psych wards and and uh, die slow, terrible deaths until like 10 years ago, but I won't get on that soapbox either. (laughs) Uh, There's another book, Andrew, and I can, we can talk about this off air, but it's called The History of Disability. And I can't remember the guy's name, but Stiker is his last name. And it's a very academic book. It's uh, done in anthropology, but it is a history of disability from, the beginnings of civilization and every disabled person um i i don't know if there's a way that we can pool resources and get something done where that is kind of like rewritten or reframed in um like uh naming culture uh nomenclature typical yeah nomenclature uh like language so that disabled people can understand it but um every fucking disabled person needs to read that book because i have i understand where ableism modern western ableism at least has come from and uh, there are actually tenets of it i don't want to get off topic because i want to finish the the exercise thing first but uh, remind me if you want me to delve into that because I can I can enlighten you if you would like me to.
0: Um, I feel like so, I wanted I feel like I want you to delve into that off the air because I have I have off ideas the we'll, and things yes. and I have I, we should talk about that.
1: Yes, remind me and uh, I can always come back and talk about that at a later date too. But um, anyways, yeah, I have so, an idea.
0: I have an idea to make that go. In a, okay. in a totally different vein, I have an idea that we should we should we should I have an idea. We'll talk about it.
1: Okay um but anyways yeah back to my routine so what i do again this is for me every disabled body is different and every disabled body has limitations don't tell yourself otherwise because if you do you're yeah thank lying you for saying
0: thank you for saying that um, it,
1: dude no i am the geez. biggest proponent i hate all of that stupid inspiration porn person first language all of that bullshit like you're disabled if you don't pay attention to your body you're gonna fuck yourself over don't do it um <laughs> anyways this is why i talked that this is the way i i'm telling you i'm i'm if anything i'm honest um so again you know if you have a friend who is a pt or if you have a pt that you go to talk to them and be like yo if this this is if you want to work out on your own at home hey i want to do this stuff at home can you help me go through a thing um so i for cardio I do a thing based, my brother made it based on circuit training, which is what people do who train them CrossFit, where they go from one um, exercise to another without stopping. And then once they're done with that one circuit, they rest for like 30 seconds or a minute and then they start it again. And so what I do is um, I will do uh, 30 sit-ups uh, 30 things where I hold my legs up and I kick one leg up and then the other leg up and I hold my butt off the ground for that entire time and I do that 30 times. And then after I do that... I
0: crawl. that is considerably more than I can do. So yeah. fuck well, you, good for you.
1: Uh, yeah, that's I told you that I'm privileged. I'm recognizing my, my disabled that's privilege.
0: considerably more than I can do, it's, but I mean, yeah. that's, that's awesome.
1: It's uh, and then I crawl for 30 seconds, I roll for 30 seconds, um and uh yeah, and then also on top of that I've tacked on uh, doing uh, 30 to 60 cartwheels before. Um, I also do neck exercises since I'm a quad amputee. I hold stuff like this. I hold stuff in between my arm, my shoulder, and my chin. Um, okay, and so because I, of have,
0: that I have. I have a disability-related question, yes. um, but but so so you. But I'll get there in a second. So you, so you do you hold stuff in between your chin to do like strengthening. Oh
1: to, well, I, that's how I just hold things in general. So like in my workout, I also have neck exercises that I do to strengthen my neck, um, to make sure that, uh, I can mitigate because it's not, if I'm going to pull neck muscles or anything like that, it's just when, so I want to get my neck in like my traps and stuff as built as I possibly can. So that like, when that happens, hopefully it does, it's not like as severe, um, and also like the more muscle you have, obviously the less strain is put on your, like, you know, like my spine and like my spinal cord and pinching nerves and all that kind of stuff too. Um, yeah. And I, and I also have like the biological privilege too, because like my dad and my uncle are like pretty big dudes and I haven't. I also have a system for weightlifting that my other friend helped me with. Uh, my arms are really big. So we found like ankle straps at Dick's Sporting Goods and then like weight bands and we put them in the door. Oh, I them.
0: love Dick's Sporting Goods.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like... My uncle actually works there too. He's like a regional manager.
0: Nice. But... My mom and dad have a place in Florida. So I kind of know like the...
1: Hey, there I you go. Know
0: the layout a little bit.
1: Yeah. But um, so we strapped those around my uh, little T-Rex arms and he holds me because the amount of weight that I do versus the uh, size of my body, I like literally pop up. <laughs> so I can lift, uh, I have like a hundred pound band and I can lift that like no problem, but like my body is like, ah ha, you don't have enough weight to, to like counteract this. So he literally has to like hold me down so that my arms can actually get through um, that motion um but yeah so that's, that's I haven't done that in a while though because COVID is uh an asshole um but
0: uh I mean, COVID is the biggest asshole in the whole world yeah. um but and not in a good me, way I mean I, I, I love assholes <laughs> believe me when I tell you um and you've heard the show you know I do uh <laughs> so but tell me a little bit about you said you did cartwheels I'm curious you, you have very not lots of arm so I'm curious just from, like, a physical standpoint, how do you do that without, like, toppling over? How, is, how?
1: Yeah. Um. So I actually went to a physical trainer Um. when I was in, like, middle school. Um. Stopped going to him because turns out he is a, he was a fucking pig and, like, made a pass at my mom, even though my mom and, like, my dad had been married for, like, ever. So, like, Gross. you're probably not listening to this, but if you are, thank you for help- teaching me how to you know, better navigate my body, but also like, fuck you. Um, uh, so what he actually taught me was from a standing position, I can use momentum. Uh, and, uh, obviously I don't just throw myself down on my shoulder because I would like fuck my shoulder up, but I, uh, know my body well enough. Um, again, my privilege, um, where I know, uh, how my body feels when it's going through gravity. And so I can actually um, go down to the ground uh, with enough momentum and carry that momentum so that uh, I can roll on my shoulders. And then that momentum will carry me all the way through to stand up again. I also have a decent amount, though, of core strength and core control um, and that allows me to, when I get back to an upright position, not to continue going forward and like fall again. Um, so I can do it both ways on both arms, but my arms, the people listening aren't gonna be able to tell, but I'll show you so you can see. My arms are shaped differently because of the nature of like, you know, the amputations. And yeah, so- like one,
0: So one is way smaller and one's a mm-hmm. bit bigger.
1: And like, oddly enough, the, when I cartwheel on the side of the smaller arm, it's easier to cartwheel. I don't know why. Um, but I get more upright, uh, on my right side. And then when I do the left side, it isn't as much of an upright thing. Um, but the whole point in me learning and why this guy taught me to cartwheel was a, so that I could do it for exercise, but B I can actually do a, the same motion of a cartwheel to pick myself up if I fall down on the floor. So I can actually be, I get on my side And I can kick my legs um, off the ground and use my shoulders. Must be nice.
0: Kick your legs.
1: Well, dude, hey, what I have (laughs) left of them, okay? So get off me about that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I can, I kind of like kick my legs, but um, my shoulders are strong enough so that, like, when I have that little bit of momentum, I use my right shoulder to pull the rest of my body up off the ground. And, I go from laying flat to doing that cartwheel motion and that momentum carries me all the way through so that I can like stand up again. Um, That was the point of me learning how to cartwheel. But obviously I can also use it for exercise, like I said, so that's what I do. But now, you know, because when I was little, I always had to have people pick me up um, if I fell down or I had to like climb up on like a wall or something. And that's not always like the case um, or easy to do so learning how to cartwheel and stuff um, was, you know, ended up being super vital. Uh, Something that you think is like a little cheerleader trick is something that I use literally every single day in my life to help me be more independent. So,
0: I mean, that's, I mean, who knew that cartwheels would actually be an independent thing for you or for anybody really.
1: It's weird. It's so
0: like, when I think of independence and like what they teach us in PT and OT kind of stuff, they don't go do Carlisle. So it's cool that you, that's something that you learn how to do.
1: Yeah. A good therapist or a good uh, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't know if you have the same uh, like rationale, but anything related to my care, I will not go to somebody unless they're a specialist. Um because, you know, our disabled bodies, we can't afford for somebody to make like a simple fuck up because that could lead to giant catastrophic like hospitalization and stuff. Um, And so um, I've been lucky though, in that the people that I have found who are specialists are really, really, really good and know their shit. And uh, it's ended up helping me out a lot, so.
0: So you mentioned in your questionnaire, I'm gonna shift gears for a minute. You mentioned in your questionnaire that you started a podcast because you listened to my podcast. And so, first of all, I'm jealous. Fuck you, it's mine. get away from me. <laughs> get off my vibe, man. Oh, okay. I got no, I got off
1: of it though. Go ahead, finish your question, I'll explain.
0: But why. like but like so I was excited by this because it's really cool that like my weird voice has not only helped you in workouts, but also you were like I want to create stuff which is really well, the reason why I started doing this was because I wanted to give disabled people a platform mm-hmm. to talk about stuff so it's really cool that you did that so tell me tell me about your show
1: first of all your voice is not weird so fuck you your voice is actually it's, really soothing it's oh, it's nice. and like and trust me like I would tell you if it wasn't um but yeah so uh <laughs> the fir- so okay so I have a team For, first of all let me start off by saying like I have I have um, like a, a company called the Disabless Network. And uh, our whole goal is to create a safe space slash networking method for disabled people, for meeting other disabled people, and for making that space um, easier to understand and navigate for able-bodied people, and to help uh them navigate ableism in more of a productive way that includes disabled people um, why
0: aren't we best friends like this is literally what i've been trying to do for years
1: no we are that's i well we are best I mean, friends. i mean ju- i just made I that mean, decision
0: officially right now yeah so uh, so did i it's-
1: yeah so um so the other thing too a part of that is that we actually have a facebook group which uh andrew you should join and uh i would uh you know, love other people who listen to this podcast who are disabled to join. It's called the Disablest Nation, and it is specifically only for disabled people. There are no able-bodied or neurotypical people in this space. And uh, that was very important for us when we were figuring out what to do, because um, it's our way of allowing our audience, if you will, um, to pool resources together and help each other. and. It, uh, we don't have like a ton of members yet in the disabled nation, but I knew that we were on to something because I watched my ultimate goal unfold for the nation in like a microcosm uh, before my eyes, which was somebody in there posted that they wanted to go vote, but that their voting precinct uh, wasn't accessible and they needed help figuring out how to navigate that space. Um, posted that in the nation, I saw it and I, one of my very good friends um, who is a double amputee and also has run for Senate seat and stuff like that down here in Florida. Um, she, cool, who? Uh, her name is um, Olivia Babis. Um,
0: Olivia, come on my show. I want to talk to you about all the, all things. Yeah. That's wow. well,
1: if, if you join the nation, you can, you can talk to her yourself. <laughs> Um, but uh yeah, she uh so I know that she does 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 that and knows a lot of people in the political space. And so I saw that and I was like, hey, Olivia, such and such needs um help um with this issue. And Olivia jumped on it and figured out what was going on and pointed her in the right direction, and then they got that issue resolved. And I was like, dude, this is literally why I'm doing this. Like this is what the whole fucking purpose is disabled you're, people through, coming together to help each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're also building the community that you never had when you were a kid. And so like,
1: exactly, exactly. Like, you know, I, I, I desperately, not that there was anything wrong. And obviously I'm put together a, enough, at least to function where, um, you know, like it wasn't, more negative like, than it was positive growing up, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said, me being uncomfortable around, like, other disabled people and wanting to start the nation was because I wasn't fucking around other disabled people. Like, I was only around other disabled people when I went to therapy. Um, I was only other around other disabled people when I get, went to get my wheelchair fixed. Um, so it was,
0: only, it was in a really medicalized, sterilized, like...
1: Yeah, it wasn't you know, in
0: an organic, fun section. Yeah.
1: And, and at a very early age, I inadvertently learned that, um, you know, like, oh, I'm not defined by my disability. Um, a lot of people told me, like, oh, you need to be like a speaker and all of that shit. Where they said a motivational speaker and like whatever with that. But um, it serves its purpose. I'm not, not knocking on that. But, anyways. Um, you know I didn't embrace my disability really until I got into college and started studying it in graduate school um, and I don't want people to go through life and take them 20 something years um, to finally be like I'm disabled I'm proud but you know as an extension of that uh, you know what to do to help other disabled people help them navigate the, their own shortcomings with their own disabilities, help them navigate the shortcomings that they have with their environment and things not ever being accessible fucking ever. Um, even though Florida isn't like the worst, but it's also definitely not the best.
0: Mm, I mean, it's not the worst. What part of Florida are you in?
1: Uh, Tampa Bay area.
0: I mean, from a, from a, like, an apology to anybody in Florida, but from a, <laughs> from a mental <laughs> health standpoint, you're pretty much in the worst part of Florida. Uh, we're, but, we're,
1: it's, it's a shit show down here.
0: But, uh, you know, my, my family has a place in Fort Lauderdale. And I would say from a physical standpoint, it's not the most inaccessible. But the views for the Floridians around disability are pretty like, whoa, okay, we need to work on this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't know if it's just a Florida thing, and, and I don't think that it is, but, you know obviously the general narrative is inspiration porn based um yeah
0: america's the worst um yeah um
1: that canada's you know, not much better
0: it. though canada's not much better
1: uh, well um yeah so i i don't know that and, but the other thing about you know having the the disables network um is that it's opened my eyes to a lot of different things so like i said one of my best friends was <laughs> on the spectrum And uh, my mom was actually a one-on-one aide for a little girl who was autistic um, for a long part of uh, my life, but I still didn't really know a lot about autism. I didn't know a lot about autistic people in the community and having the show has made me learn about it. And so like, you know, I, I didn't know, for instance, that like the puzzle piece and like autism speaks and like lighted up blue. I didn't know that that was a problem and that's a really big fucking problem because they have yeah. such a large platform, and if they're such a large platform, that means that they have more like weight um, in the conversation. And... They have more
0: clout than than someone who isn't spouting. Yeah. yeah,
1: And and they're they're spreading ableist bullshit. Um, so like uh, it's it's terrible. But anyways, I digress. So my idea. <laughs> met with my team at first it was uh there were three of us um me uh my my friend Lou who is our producer and then my friend Christine who is a a co-host with me uh we were I I went to them and I was like I want to make a podcast about disability and sexuality uh, I know this guy, his name's Andrew Gerza, Listen to Disability After Dark because this is what, like, this is amazing and this isn't talked about enough. <laughs> um, and then we met and Lou was like, yeah, this is really good, but there's a lot more that we can do here than just, like, sexuality. And so we talked and figured out about, <laughs> you know, making the network the network. And we specifically chose the, the term network for a couple of different reasons. One, at the end of the day, we are like a uh, an entertainment network, right? Like talk about disability, but in a way that is digestible and, and funny and can be lighthearted at times, but obviously has a very serious message at its core. But again, these are able-bodied people who we're talking about, so we need to make things digestible to them. We can't just immediately be like, fuck you, make ramps, like make more ramps here. Like, don't don't put blue lights everywhere. Like, that's not how people work. Like, if you tell people that they're inadvertently wrong, they're just going to look at you and be like, you're wrong. Fuck you, cripple. Yeah, don't yeah, tell me yeah. what to do. So uh, obviously that's not going to work. And so we got to thinking and we we're like, yeah, you know, so the Disabled Network, obviously it's a pun on ableist um, and a pun on like person first language and using dis backslash Uh, ableist is also part of another like linguistic movement that we just like we're like oh this is interesting we'll take this and use it um and uh yeah so we chose the term network like i was saying uh a because we are an entertainment network but b because we want to use our platform to allow disabled people and um different people in the disabled community um add uh you know not just disabled advocates and i don't really like using that word because i feel like it's just like uh like a buzzword it's... that people use in relation to like doing work whatever um yeah but uh so the other part was allowing disabled people to actually network with each other and to network with the people who are like making their wheelchairs for instance or like make products that are you know that they use every day like for their catheters and all that kind of stuff. But also too, the other thing is like on our website, we specifically have a resources page and uh, that resources page is to allow disabled people to go on there and find things that they, that will help them in life. Because like all of the things that I've learned about my own uh, body and everything I've learned because I've talked to somebody and they've randomly been like, oh yeah, this is what you need. There isn't a place that, like, all of that stuff is pulled together, um, and so, and also I'm proud to say that we have a disability and sexuality uh, part in the resources page, and your podcast is on that, so. Oh,
0: well, thank you. This was nice, and I, So what you're saying is, you stole my idea to make it bigger and better into something way larger than me, way to eclipse my stuff, man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I
1: stole your idea to
0: promote you. (laughs) Stole my stole my idea to promote me, but but I also think like what you're trying to do, networking disabled people not only with each other but with resources they need to to just feel feel. Comfy in the world they're in, I think that's really valuable. And I love that it's, it's stemmed from your own childhood experiences or lack of experiences with disabled people because there's so many of us with disabilities out there who never had a disabled crew to like go with. And so I did only because my mother forced me out of the house when I was like seven and, w- and she was like, No, you're going to disability camp and you're going to go for a week and you're going to give me some, you're going to give me a fucking break. And you're gonna go, and I like, I loved it. But you know, most kids don't get that experience. So yeah. the fact that you want to bring us all together and do so in a way—I love how you said that it's digestible for able-bodied people, because I think we really do need that in the disability rights movement. I think we yeah. come, we come out guns a blazing and chairs are yeah. a- a- roaring, and we come out really angrily, which is which is fair. I think we have a right to be angry, and I'm not saying we don't. But I'm saying when we when we show that anger to people that are trying to learn, what we do is we shut them down and we don't give them the chance to learn and we don't give them the opportunity to stumble. And so I have, I think disability rights are important and they're great and they're very valuable, but I think the way we have constructed the movement to be angry on its face is a huge problem.
1: Yeah, allies are important. In, In whatever minority that you are a part of, right? um minorities are uh allies are very important to minority communities and look we've been real this whole time because that's all that i know but anyways i'm going to be super real to you the people who are not the minorities are the people that have the power like i said because in the u.s we are a democracy um and so you know only if you look at it only from that standpoint it behooves disabled people to make able-bodied people feel comfortable with disabled people. Now, obviously there are other things in addition to that where, like, it's just, like, don't be a shitty person. Disabled people are people too. Like, you need to just, like, don't be a dick. Like, you know, yeah. accepting. But Don't you be know, a dick.
0: S- suck a dick. That's um, Make that a <laughs>
1: hashtag. But, um, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's ironic that you said, too, like, the your disabled crew, because um, on Facebook, we actually have a, have a hashtag for our community and it's hashtag Disablest crew. Um, and so yeah, that was just funny that you used that verbiage specifically because that's, that's our hashtag that we use when I try to like uh, involve other people in the, rela- uh, you know, in the in the relationship, in the conversation, that kind of thing. I call, call our um, followers and stuff the disablest crew.
0: I mean I love that you I just like that we both understand I think and and I will say when I started my journey as a disabled person my journey no that sounds weird when I started my 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 work as a professional disabled person my goal has always been to make disability accessible to everyone and then when I got in when I was when I started seeing disability rights stuff I was like oh the only way I can be an activist or be in this space is if I'm angry at every able-bodied person that walks by. So I, I started doing that. And then I was like, well, this doesn't feel good anymore. This feels really uncomfortable. I don't want to be mad at everybody for just existing. I want to show them that being disabled is okay, and but give them the chance to learn from me and, and learn with me as we go together instead of saying, like, oh, you're an ableist, fuck you. Like, because that's an easy... That's a out, I think.
1: Yeah. it. You know, and and not only that, but like the whole – look, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, right? Like people use – and this is something that I learned like in graduate school. But people – they're not good. But people use stereotypes to learn about things. That's just the nature of stereotype. But if you are a really angry disabled person and – like for instance you know like rebecca talks about this in um her book um people will come up to her and be like hey can i help you and obviously like she doesn't need help putting her groceries in her car as a wheelchair user she knows how to navigate that space herself and she you know talks about struggling with having to like swallow that or like getting angry at people or whatever um and it's a very tight rope that we have to walk um to use an ableist turn of phrase uh, because I was
0: gonna say one of us is not walking anywhere.
1: Yeah, that's hey there you go. Um but uh yeah, I, I joke all the time and I use Abel's terms of phrase and I say that I use it, so I know that like I probably everybody's probably like oh my god, here he goes again, but whatever. <laughs> um so I'm how well, well, doing do this
0: whole do this and Then you go off you know I just think it's I digress things to say about this. Oh no! It, I think you it freeze? cut out a little bit there. What? Yeah. Now it says my internet connection is unstable. Okay, I'll cut that out. So, but what I was saying was, I love how in this whole interview you've said, "I digress," and then you go off on another like ten minute tangent about how you digress. Um, probably so I, think, I, I mean, I probably do too, realistically. But you were saying like, you know, you were talking about how being an angry disabled person doesn't help us. And then you're going to say why.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't help us because, you know, there are stereotypes about disabled people and about especially about angry disabled people. And uh, when we... Now, obviously, everybody has their bad days and everybody has their bad pain days. And there's points where you're just like, fuck it, I can't go through this. Like, I can't take this today. Um, of course, but the, but the thing that you know, I, I'm all about recognizing like the reality of the situation, right? Which is why I don't like uh, person-first language because, like, like recognize your disability. But anyways, um, so and recognize
0: that you're not carrying. Like what I hate about person-first language is to go quickly there. What I don't like about it, and I, I respect anybody that uses it, but I personally won't use it for me. Yes, when I say when I think person with a disability, I think I'm not dragging my disability beside me. It's in my bones, it's in it's my you. bloodstream, like it's, it's yeah. So like, is that how you feel about it?
1: Yeah, abs- I absolutely do. So like technically it's called identity first language, um, where you say like, I am disabled, like that is me. The other thing too is like, dude, okay. I just want, if, if you use person first language, like cool, that's okay. I will tell you right now, you can use that. I will not not think that you're wrong. I will think that you are wrong because I do think that that is not right. Um, and I'm unapologetic about that. And I apologize for being unapologetic, but I digress. <laughs> um,
0: I, but you're not going to I guess You're going to go in another five minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I won't. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, just the one thing that I want to say about uh, that people who use Perser person-first language, you need to be cognizant of is that if you are uncomfortable with calling yourself a disabled person, you need to really think hard about why that makes you uncomfortable. I agree. Um, and the reason why that makes you uncomfortable, um, I, I, I'm going to generalize here just a little bit. Think about who has told you that it is not okay for you to identify as disabled. Has it been other disabled people, or has it largely been um, medical professionals, able-bodied people who don't understand and think that they're being supportive? Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, think about that. Like, think about who has pitched that narrative to you, and be a little more cognizant about uh, who is telling you that's the way that you need to talk. Because the other thing that you have to think about is the things and the people and the uh, majorities that are in power will want you to speak a certain way so that you remain being at, you know, that level of minority that you are.
0: Acceptability. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I agree with you. The way we talk about disability and the way we talk about any kind of minority, the language we use has power. And so I think it's really, po- and I've said this a bunch, I'll say it again. Read my tweets, you'll see how I've said this a million times. I think disabled person, the term a disabled person, full stop, period, is powerful. And I think mm-hmm. that I, I'm of a different view of where, like, I think anybody who wants to use whatever language for their disability, that's fine. But I think it's interesting and it's important to look at what you're saying, Kyle, is that, like, we have to consider where did we get the ideas that certain language is okay and certain language is not okay and yeah
1: it it, uh like uh like sorry i can't remember what i was gonna say go ahead i
0: don't remember what i was gonna say either but so we'll move (laughs) along to the to the next thing i wanted to ask you. i wanted wanted to go back i wanted to go back to um to to the virginity question Mm -hmm. because this said this at one point was a sex podcast and now (laughs) it's a disability free-for-all but i'm curious because you haven't had sex and because you want to have sex is there and answer this as comfortably as you want to is there a sexual is there a sexual thing you want to try or do or have done to you that you're that, that's interesting to you as a disabled person that, that you're curious about
1: um in terms of like positions or role play or
0: just uh, anything What like is there something because it's so it's so because it's still something you haven't had the opportunity to fully experience is there something that you're like I really like when you watch porn for instance or you watch like you know stuff to, to arouse yourself is there something you're like I really want to try this and I want to understand how my disabled body will interact with this
1: um the best way that i can answer that is that i don't really know because i don't have any experience um and so i think that this is why i've wanted to and i wish that like sex work was legal like in florida and stuff because um you know i would really like to have an experience with somebody who is well versed and who is comfortable with different kinds of bodies because I don't know what I would like. I've never had that experience before. Um, The only thing that I can think of in my mind is um, being on bottom. Um, That I think that that for me seems like it would be the most comfortable. Um, But again, I I don't know. Um, You know, it would take me being with a person who is open-minded and is very knowledgeable about the way that bodies work and different kinds of bodies work. Um, And I would like to have that experience, obviously because I want to get my rocks off, so that's a thing, but um, also because me having, like, you know, the Disabless Network, I really would like to have that knowledge so that if somebody approaches me, even if it's discreetly via email or via like Facebook messenger or whatever. And they're disabled because look, they like nobody has any fucking idea how to have sex as a disabled person. Like if you haven't done it before, like able-bodied people. Even, don't even
0: when it. you have done it before, it's even when you have done it before yeah. every time it's different. Cause you're like, how is my disability going to interplay with my sex today, body? Who knows? Let's find out. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like, it, you know, if anything, gaining that level of knowledge so that I can be a resource for people who come and have that question, you know, and want to divulge that information to me and, and stuff. And, and, you know, I, I was contemplating about whether or not I should talk about that even at all on here, because, you know, it's, it's private and all of that kind of stuff. But then, you know, I always ask my producer and my friend, um, you know, like, should I talk about this? And the first thing that he told me before when I asked him that question is, like, if you are asking yourself whether you should talk about this, but you're coming from a standpoint of, like, this is already a problem, like, you need, you need to fucking answer the question. Like, because that's, you know, therein lies, the, the, like, the problem. You know, people aren't willing to talk about this kind of stuff um, some disabled people, including myself might not be comfortable with opening that can of worms, so to speak. Um, and I think that we all need to be more, um, you know, like comfortable in our bodies. And that's something that, trust me, I don't say, uh, lightly because I am not comfortable in my body most of the time. I think that that is a, uh, something that is not uncommon for a lot of disabled people who have chronic pain and stuff like that, that a lot of us aren't comfortable with our bodies, not just on a sexual way, um, but just in general, like, we're like, just in your
0: body way.
1: Yeah. I I can't do, I can't do this today. Like I've got a, I've got to take, I've got to take a day, you know, type thing. So um, the, to make a long answer longer, Um, I don't know what I want to do because I don't have any experience. And so I would like to have that experience with somebody who um, would be open to that. I would really like to go to a professional, um, honestly, for my first time, Um, but I'm poor as shit because I'm disabled and I'm on like social security and Medicaid and all of that stuff. So I don't have money to be able to afford to fly out to Nevada where it's legal here. Um, and I think that that's a terrible thing because there are a lot of disabled people who have, uh, you know, suppressed sexuality and sexual needs and urges that don't have access to that release, which is very important, uh, not only on, you know, a physical health level, but also on an emotional and psychological health level um, in terms of, like I said, because I, I feel like because I haven't had like, you know, any sexual experiences that that honestly is probably a big reason why I have a lot of the internalized ableism that I have about my body because I don't know, you know, if I'm in this space, how is this going to work? But if I have had a positive experience, there, you know, it takes all the guesswork out of that. Like, I already know, like, okay, this is how it's going to work. Also, Kyle, you're not fucking ugly. Like, you know, like you no, have not. stuff so that you don't can all do. Well, thank you. Um, Because the other thing to me too, is that um, the kind of person that I am is that I like doing things for other people. And so it's important for me to, like I said, when I'm with my cuddle partner, um, that I'm doing things that feel good for her um, in a safe way. Um, And so like when I get to the point where I'm in a sexual experience with somebody, I also very much, want to be able to do that I want to not make the entire thing be about my sexual gratification because at the end of the day and it might just be because of like my own sexuality and that's really what like turns me on is that you know knowing that I'm like helping the other person to feel safe and comfortable and to feel good and um yeah, that, that, that in and of itself is super important um, to me right now in my headspace.
0: And I, you know, I feel the same way. I feel very much like when I'm with my sex worker, I'll say to him all the time and I'll ask him all the time after our sessions, like, did you enjoy yourself? Did you have fun? Was it okay for you? And, you know, I've had a couple workers say, oh no, my job is to be there for you. And I'll be like, no, fuck, that's not what I want. I want to know that you come here like, Knowing you're gonna enjoy yourself too. And yeah. like so I fully understand the the fear of like fe- feeling like your your intimacy is an obligation someone has to fulfill for you versus like something they are genuinely enjoying. And so you and I have gone all over the place and we could talk for another five hours on this show, but I'm gonna cut it here because there's so much we could have talked about. And I want to have you back at some point for something um, okay. because there was, we, there was a whole, we could have sat for another two hours and just chatted, but I was like, no one is going to listen to that <laughs> after four hours. But it was really, I really enjoyed myself. It was super great to sit down with you. Thank you so much for, for telling us about the Disabledist Network. Everybody should um, follow that and be a part of it. Speaking of, how can people follow that? How can they sign up? How can they uh, be a part of it?
1: Yeah, if you go on uh, our, if you want to go on our website, our website is disablest.org. Spell D-I-S-A-B-L-E-I-S-T.org. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Disablest. And then, if you would like to join the Disablest Nation, if you're uh, a fellow Crip slash neurodivergent person, um, you know, just search Disablest Nation. On uh, Facebook, and you'll find us. Um, if you are able-bodied, you will be denied. I apologize, but like I <laughs> told Andrew, don't before, apologize for that. It's uh, it is a safe space only for disabled people. We don't get that uh, you able-bodied neurotypical people like that's called reality. So you'll have to you know just live with the fact that I want to create a space only for disabled people.
0: Um, Do you think there's a, a place eventually where like you'll create another Facebook group that's like this one is for everyone, though. This, Oh, my goodness. Hang on. I see your puppy in the background, and I'm falling in love <laughs> with him. Oh, no. Oh, Ollie, come so here. So cute.
1: Ollie, come here. He probably won't come because he hates me. Um, yeah, I have a golden doodle. That <laughs> I was going to uh, try to make into a service dog, but my trainer was like, yeah, I don't feel equipped to do this anymore, even though I already told you. Um, So I was like, ah, geez, thanks. That's awesome. Well, so wait,
0: you were going to have that? you were going to get a service dog, which would have been another point of access for you. And then the trainer was like, I'm out.
1: Well, I, so I bought the dog though. I bought him and I was like, Hey, this dog's super intelligent because he like has figured out how to even like open doors um, on his own. Um, And so I was like, Hey, he's super intelligent. Therefore he would be a good service dog i'll just like warn anybody out there just because you have an intelligent dog don't think that they're a good candidate to be a service dog because oh my, they also my have to dog be
0: like... my dog as a child was really smart but there was no way inf- no way in hell he was a service dog he was just like i want to be your friend i'm your friend yeah
1: yeah that's that's how he is but um so but
0: anyways he's all yeah, um... more of a he's obviously just a family dog now
1: Yeah, um, I would still like to teach him to pick things up for me because my T-Rex arms, if I'm in my wheelchair and I drop something, or like I was walking him around the block the other day and uh, he jumped up on my chair and knocked my phone into the street. And I'm like, well, this fucking sucks. So I had to like go get my dad (laughs) to uh, walk around the block and get the phone for me. Um, So
0: so what what you're saying is Ollie's actually – an anti-service dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah he actively does things to like fuck with me like aha this is this is it <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah the my <laughs> so we joke about like him all the time because he has a ollie has a very strong personality and so my brother's uh like quip for him is that uh he says ollie is america's favorite asshole <laughs> so
0: uh, no that that wouldn't that would be me in the sexy sense just so <laughs> um but this this is really one of my favorite conversations one of my favorite recordings i've done so far i'm so oh, glad you. we finally did it it was really we you have so much to say and if you haven't thought about doing a podcast like do one like like properly do one because you have I no we're we're doing
1: one yeah we're doing one so like uh the our podcast you can actually uh, find us like on spotify and stuff and um, the name of the podcast right now is called The Disablest Report and um, we you know have disabled people and allies of the community on and uh, so if you're interested in being on like we'd love to have you we're booked out right now through uh, the middle of or the end of June uh, middle of July um, but if you would like to be on you know we'd love to schedule you and if you, you know we have a cancellation or whatever we can always like work you in earlier um, I would 100% yeah.
0: love to be on. So let me, Dude, let, I, let me know how.
1: Yeah, we got to get you on the show for sure. Absolutely. Um, and let for me anybody know how else I can too, sign up. Yeah, no, well, we'll talk about that after after we're done. We'll I'll get you like in the books or whatever. But um, if anybody is interested in signing up um, to be on the podcast, my uh, work email is kyle at disablist.org. Um, spelled the same way that uh, the website and all that other stuff is. And then you can also find me on Instagram and on Twitter, um, at disablest uh, Kyle, and then my co-host, um, her stuff I think is all at, uh, uniquely, uh, Christine, uh, that I know is her email address, uniquely Christine at disablest.org, Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find her stuff through me also. She has, uh, she has CP and she is an awesome, a lady who has won a bunch of titles um for like Miss Wheelchair Florida and I think is running I think in um an able-bodied pageant I believe Um, so we're uh yeah we're we're an interesting interesting team her and I I definitely am the more assertive like fuck everybody this is a way that it is and she's very much the the polite like oh no no yeah this is great like whatever and i'll just be like no fuck (laughs) you um so she she definitely uh i am not the way that i am on our podcast like i have been on your podcast because she definitely keeps me um keeps me in check
0: i want to listen now to like a subdued, relaxed, Kyle. What? What is? I don't know well, what that is.
1: Subdued, relaxed, and whatever. Remember, I told you I have anxiety and stuff. So,
0: anxiety is real. It is real. It is absolutely. Real. Um, this is great. I had so much fun. This, and we're not you and I are going to talk after this, but this is great. Awesome. It was so nice to sit down with you, and all of the things will be in the show notes. Kai Romano of the Disabled Network. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. I'll be back.
0: For sure. We'll talk soon. Thanks. And friends, that was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was so excited to sit down with Kyle, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Just before we exit today, wanted to let you know that I had to change and update the email address for Disability After Dark because I was getting a ton of weird emergency weather spam alerts on the other email, so I had to change it to make it less spammy. So now you can send your podcast suggestions, minisodes, ideas for a story. Um, you can email me email me all your thoughts to Pod at gmail.com. So make sure you update our email address And reach out to us if you want to. Once again, we've changed the email address to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Thanks, friends. We'll be back next week to shine a bright light on brand new content for you. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021